Well, good morning, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Revelation Hour. Welcome to another episode of Revelation Hour. I hope you had a wonderful week. Um, also, I oh, just really just want to say hi to everyone. Good morning, madam. Good morning, monsieur. How are you? Ça va bien, merci, et toi? Excuse me, busting on that French. You know. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, no bad, no bad. Ça va très bien, merci. Okay. Donc, pour les Français qui sont ici, donc je vais faire le show en français maintenant, Revelation Hour. Mm. No, I'm so, I think I'm going to stick it to the English uh, <laughs> because the majority of our listeners are English mm. in that sense. But why don't we open up in prayer um, this morning and just invite the Lord into our midst? Mm. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Father, that it's truly through you that we live, that we move, that we have our being. And Father, as we come before you this morning, we come before you with hearts, Father, that are repentant, hearts, Father, that Father just want to be right to do what is right in your sight, Father. And Father, I just pray that you will create in all of us a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us mm. so that the hearts that we have will be good ground, that we will be able to receive that which you have for us, that anything that is in our hearts that is hindering us from receiving the word and the revelation, the understanding of your word today, Father, I pray that you will help us. You will help us all, Father, that we will not be like the churches father that we will be speaking about the where we're just uh, just not doing what is right in your sight father but we will be like the churches that have done what is right in your sight father and we as a body as as individuals as well as families father we will yearn for the things that are are righteous we will long for the things that Oh, right in your sight we will long to live for you and for your purpose and for your plans and for your mandates and for your kingdom to come and your will to be done father so we just thank you this morning we give you thanks and praise we pray that what we are speaking about will fall on good ground and it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it your word father we thank you so much we pray in jesus name amen Amen, amen, amen. Um, again, thank you so much for guys for uh, joining us, whether you are on Facebook, on YouTube, or via Zoom. Um, if you have any question as we discuss it, please feel free to send it uh, through the chat box, uh, whatever location we are. Um, and, and just to really kind of continue to, to remind ourselves of the situation we're in at the moment and just to really pray for each other um in this situation now looking back into um what i want to say before we do that um again i want to just to tell you guys that we're available on facebook uh our facebook page revelation hour uh we also have a twitter account if you want to send us a little tweets um we also have an email address info at revelationhour.co.uk if you are looking for more information, if you want us to pray for you, or uh, you you may have topics that you may want us to cover over the during the year 2020-21, and also if you're interested to be part of our chat uh, WhatsApp um, group, uh, please feel free to send us your detail. Um, again, put it on the chat, and then we will get in touch with you, and we try to add you to this group chat. All right, I think I've done everything here. Um, so why don't we do what we always do from the beginning and look in uh, at the current news um, and see what's happening now there. Um, there's quite an interesting a few things here. And which one do you would like to pick on, um, Mas? Mm, this is quite interesting, isn't it? Which one? Um, Church of England, um, LGBT group. Threatened to abandon dialogue if promises not met made well, on gay marriage. The LGBT affirming Christian leaders, yeah, they will ditch ongoing discussion on issue of sexuality unless the Church of England bishops declare their full support for same-sex marriage. What's your take on it? Mm. 
the times and the seasons that we are in, hey? Indeed. Is there anything else you would like to add? <laughs> no. No, why not? No, uh, I just... Uh, it's just a reflection of the times and the seasons that we're in. I think on this board, I think um, one of the senior people is um, in the Church of England. I think he was appointed a few years ago. He's, he's actually he's actually gay. So um, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's not surprising that it's going in this direction. Um, when we've actually looked, it, it's interesting that we're talking about the different types of churches and the spirits that entered in. Um, this morning I was reading, um, I was reading, reading the book of Revelation, but also I was reading about the fact that, you know, Jesus spoke about, um, you know, amongst, amongst the congregations, Satan will send different ones mm -hmm. to sit in the churches amongst the people um, and amongst the members and it's nothing new that this is happening. This has been happening for thousands of years. Absolutely. Um, and the thing is, the fact that they've actually got someone sitting on their board who is gay, obviously what they're doing is, you know, we know exactly what they're doing. <coughs> um, they, they have been sent um, on assignment to actually infiltrate the church and to be able to actually derail the church um, and for me it's quite sad when I see the Church of England um, even though there are other things as well but I just see this um, in headlines like this but it, it's not something new we knew they were heading in this direction anyway absolutely um, and, because and of the things that they've compromised on from a, a while back so absolutely and then I was looking at the latest who we understand a bit more yeah of the dynamic of it yeah. and this mess this pretty much news leading up to this other one which is quite interesting um if i can just get it through okay here we go now Nigel farage the church has let the country down worse than politician and i read this article um and it's quite interesting what he says he says here um he's basically obviously he's, he's talking about the Boris Johnson as a light. Yeah, no, he's talking about Boris Johnson um, isolating, first of all. And he says this. He's, he's in hiding, talking about Boris Johnson. He said, but don't worry. If the, if the politicians aren't giving, aren't giving leadership, there's always the church. And he says that sarcastically. Now, it's interesting because he condemned the church and obviously the, Adibish, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury for inadequate spiritual leadership at a time when prime minister boris johnson is also far from giving leadership and it's interesting that these guys mention about the spiritual leadership mm. and finding out that in this country there's actually not spiritual leadership at all is is mm. basically believed that but also the interesting thing is the fact that the church of england is supposed to represent basically all the churches in england yeah. it's supposed to yeah, this prism. When people looking at the Church of England, they are looking at Christianity. The first point of contact that they be looking at, and non-believers will be looking at the Church of England. Why they are doing? Now, first of all, we spoke about the interesting dynamic of allowing different ungodly doctrine into the Church of England through the LGBT program and so on. And now the other attack of it is that lack of spiritual leadership. And it is interesting to see that as many believers, many believe that God is about to move. And as we saw yesterday, you know, I heard of the different prophecies during our time of, of prayer or after that prayer last night that God is about to shoot, is about to move the church. But I always believe that the church that is moving is the church that is focusing on the word of God simply in the word of God and even we can see at the moment the demise in a certain way of the leadership of the church of England because they've been under attack for so many aspects lately you know from this this LGBT to the uh, child uh, molesting and pedophile that's been taking place through the churches and seeing now that God is actually now beginning to use the church the Christians and we know when I talk about Christians, I mean believers 
of Jesus Christ, disciple of Jesus Christ, to begin to assert the authority, the spiritual authority on this country in order to be able to begin to take back what has been taken away. And I think this is a very important. When we look at those news, there is the overall message that is written through the people who are to write the news. But there's also the underlying message behind it. And this underlying message behind it is really a reference to what God is doing in this season at the moment. While the Church of England seems to be bombarded of, of many things that's taking place, God is raising up this, this new generation of believers. And not, I mean, I'm not talking necessarily believers that just come to the faith. I'm talking about a new fire that's beginning to, to, to really filter into the heart of believers that, that will actually come out. And I believe what the message was said yesterday about 2021. I believe truly that we are going to see more um, we are going to see more the church impacting the, the world in that sense, you know, through uh, preaching, through evangelism, and also through a lot of the miracles that begin to be evident like we used to see in the book of Acts in the beginning of the early church. And it's quite interesting to see what's taking place at the moment. The politicians begin to look at the church and say they're lacking the spiritual leadership. But then you got to ask you this question. When the church was trying to give it advice and spiritual leadership, did it take it on board? And those are the questions that you got to raise yourself in that sense, you know. At the time when the church was coming and bringing the advice, did they actually took it on board? But it's quite interesting that they're always looking for a church response in terms of crisis. And those are the things that I believe God is going to move the church in the, as we enter in 2021 is begin to move this church when they begin to be responsive to what the crisis has taken place. And I'm not only talking about the lockdown and the, the COVID-19, I'm also talking about the emotional state of people as well, when the church we are going to be, res- be able to respond. And as a matter of fact, the church we're going to be now, you know, open. They'll be operating a lot, you know, underneath they've been operating a lot without eyes looking at it, but the, the people are going to look now the effectiveness of the church and the believers and i said the disciple of jesus as god is beginning um to move uh, upon the people of god as well so this mm. is this is a very very important time that we are at the moment and 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 a time when we need to continue to see god's face and to really wait on what god is doing at the moment because there's going to be a time when all the Things that God is doing in a secret is going to be revealed, and people are going to see the church in mm. a different lens now that they are seeing now. You know, at the moment they see the the church, which is looking pretty much at the Church of England, as in a very in the light when this is a corrupt church. They seem to be doing the wrong thing, and as some of the politicians said, not having any spiritual leadership. But God is going to move the church from 2021. When they are going to see the strength, the spiritual strength, but also the physical strength of the church. But also there's another point that I'm seeing that as I'm speaking mm-hmm. is the unity. The unity mm-hmm. among the believers that's going to be extremely key when it comes to God revealing his word. When it comes to God really bringing his message to the nations. So we are going to see this taking place in 2021. People won't be able to see anymore. They won't be able to say that the church is irresponsive during a crisis they will see the church responding and what has been doing in a secret is going to be revealed in that sense so i truly believe that we've got to be encouraged for what god is doing this lockdown despite some of the things that has been taking place despite what people have been saying about despite all the revelation that we heard about it this lockdown it is a true blessing of god in that sense because is allowing people to reconnect with God, but not in most importantly, is relying people to realign their self with the will of God. So God can begin to use us as we enter in 2021 more effectively. Whether we are in this country in the UK or whatever in the world God has kind of placed us, I truly believe I will see the power of God be manifested. But it's not only the power of God, also you're gonna see the fruit of the spirit being manifested in a lot of believers, you know, which is really what Jesus is as well. So that is very, very, very key uh in that sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I just wanted to share something, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. It's um, in terms of, uh, it was a vision that I had on the 21st of November. Um, th- what the Lord has been really impressing on, on me is to actually review, it just review, to look back um, over um, the things that he's been speaking um, to me during um, private times of prayer. And um, just different visions, different words that have been given and also just reminding me of other things that have been said prophetically to us as a church as well. Um, as, of CLF as a church um, over the over the years um, but just to look just to review just to review um, because it's almost like we've received words and in this time it's like to go back and to remember what has been said what has been spoken prophetically over us as a church but o- over our families as individuals the things that we've received from the Lord um, just before we go into the new year and the the outpouring comes but um, as I prayed, I saw a couple of people. Um, this is in terms of, of the church. So it's just um, I saw a couple of people and um, I couldn't see their faces. They seemed quite dark, kind of hooded. Um, and then th- they were spinning a chair. So they were like like moving this chair around, but they were scrutinizing what was in, in the chair. Um, but at that point, I couldn't see what was in the chair. And and they were f- really focused on it. And as the the seat the chair stopped and faced them um they really began to really look at what was in the chair and in the chair it was a lady she looked as though she was asleep she was dead or she was asleep um and i heard resuscitation and and the lord speaking saying i'm coming um and gave me the scripture from revelation 5 um, verses 9 to 10 it says and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God mm. and we shall reign on the earth um, and I really believe that the the lady in the chair it, it, she looked she looked dead um, and I believe that th- it was a representation of, of the church of the body of Christ um, but I believe that the Lord is coming to resuscitate the church, a, a sleeping church, what seems to be like a sleeping or a dead church, and to revive, and especially when we're talking about revival, it's, a, it's talking about especially something that seems dead or unconscious, and the Spirit of God is coming to revive the body of Christ, to revive his church, and he's coming, and the Spirit of God is going to move. And I, I really, truly, truly believe this, Um really believe this for the church and and also he showed me i i, I had a vision of it, it's it was like pieces of a puzzle that were all um they were all scattered but then like a they were like origami pieces mm. and um this this like robotic arm came it like came and and it just started putting the pieces together and it, as it came together it was like it would came together in the, in the shape like a it was a it was a present mm. and um and the holy spirit said to me the present is a gift you know and it was reminding me of all these kind of you know as i was praying yesterday the day before about all of these different things that he's been showing me this he showed me back in march april time and just to remind us that as we've been so called it seems like the church is has been sleeping or is dead like nigel ferrari was saying or they haven't been given leadership and i was also reminded of a word that prophet anor gave um, a few years ago, I can't remember which meeting it was, but he said, he, he said, they will say that, ch- I think he said, they say the church is dead, you know, but it's not dead. The church is not, the church is basically uh, talking about the church going to rise. Um, and I really believe that in this time where it seems as though the church has been sleeping or it's dead or it's, 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 it's not been doing what it's, it's meant to have been in doing in the sense, in the eyes of men, you, you know, God has been preparing us in the secret place as with the ones who have been really seeking him, pressing in, really seeking his face. God is going to pour out his spirit. There's a there's a there's a move of the spirit that is coming as we've been aligning ourselves. He's going to move in the church. And as Jean-Marc was saying about the, the, the way that God will move, the way that God, the, the giftings that we will see, the manifestation of those giftings. We're going to see things that we've never seen before in the body of Christ in this country. We're going to see. We always say that we don't see the things in this country. We don't see miracles. We don't see all of these different things. We don't see signs and wonders. We don't see all of those things. But there are going to be things that are happening in this country 
next year we're going to begin to see things they're already begin to bubbling they're bubbling up and the thing is in the, as god has been preparing us in the secret place he's been preparing us for such a time as this so it's just to encourage us you know all these different things that have been said you know God is really, really going to move. He's going to move. There's going to be a move of the spirit and he's going to really utilize the church. He's going to use us and, and he's, he will be glorified through us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank praise God for that. It is uh, almost uh, a reminder of the state that we are the moment, like uh, those uh, butterfly before they burst out of the chrysalis. And we have yeah. that stage when we are inside and where. God is, 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 as you said, is preparing us, is allowing us to grow spiritually, allows us to grow in intimacy with him. So by the time we burst out of it, we'll be like a butterfly and we'll be able to, you know, to bring uh, hope to um, to the world, to the whole world through the, through the gift of the spirit, through the fruit of the spirit, through everything that God has given us to do. So it's, it's very encouraging to see, you know, the Bible is really clear, so I will never leave you, never forsake us. And that is the truth. Even when it looks like nothing is happening, mm. God is always working. Yeah. And that's the thing. Amen. Um, so, yeah, so that's the news uh, in that sense. Um, and uh, I think we will keep looking at those news and see what's taking place um, also. So going back to our topic today, uh, as we know, the world, how the world see uh, the future and we, we can see and people some people are kind of getting upset at the moment the fact that we're coming out of the lockdown to be put straight into tears and most of the country is in tier two or tier three so truly pretty much you know it looks like you're coming out of the lockdown but you're not really coming out of the lockdown because mm. it's another way to basically stay in a lockdown in essence <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know yeah exactly but uh, it, it's a very interesting uh, to look at this uh, from science perspective, from numbers and, and, and so high in that sense. And we know where our relation come from. It comes from God. And that is us to be the way forward in that sense. The scriptures speak clearly for us to continue to be sober, to be vigilant, um, especially in those times and know what the enemy is doing, which we covered a lot um, over the last few months in terms of different aspects of the way the world is moving, the way the new world orders really moving and, and things that are put in place. But I think it's very important for us also to understand what the word of God is saying. You know, Psalm 119-130 says this, the entrance of your word give light. It give understanding to the simple. But 2 Timothy 2.15-17 says this, to be diligent, to present ourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and rightly dividing the word of truth. That is so important. You know, there's so many doctrine out there. Uh, as we've seen it, some churches adopting different doctrine, which is against what the word of God is saying. But he says in verse 16, But shun profane and idle babbling, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Emmanuel and Philetus are of this sort. So really, truly, we've got to know the word of God inside out. But not only know the word of God inside out, we need to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying mm -hmm. through the scriptures. That it is so key. And that really comes to what we believe the Lord has really spoken to us by looking at the seven churches uh, in the book of Revelation. Wonderful letters. And uh, we begin to basically give a bit of an overview um about those letters uh, last week and we hope today to begin to look into the first church which is a church of Ephesus but just to give you a bit of a, a bit of a background um, to where we looked last week very briefly before we we dwell uh, into the church what we need to understand there were seven churches located in Asia Minor this revelation was given by Jesus to John and John was meant to send those letters to seven churches. And as I mentioned, it's seven churches, seven letters, seven sets of instructions. And those are very important. Now, what we need to understand that is that as we look at those churches, you know, the first thing that we need to understand is that chapter 2, chapter 3 speak specifically about the churches in that sense. And we need to understand that the way that Jesus wrote those letters to those different churches is in the same manner 
that the postman would go through his postal round in those days. So when Jesus through the churches, he started with Ephesus, then went to Smyrna, and then went all the way to Laodicea at the end. So we're seeing that the postman will go through the city of Ephesus to deliver the letters, then we go to Smyrna, and then we go to the other cities until he end up in Laodicea. So Jesus never miss a thing. And this is what we've got to realize. He never, never miss a thing. So the other thing that we need to understand as well is as we look at those letters, they can be applied on four different levels. And let me explain this very, very briefly. And some of the things that we touched last week. Number one, they can be applied locally. What it means basically, it means that there were actually seven churches in those days when John wrote those Sandos letters or Jesus wrote this, uh, asked John to write those instructions. There was actually seven churches existing in those times. They were all located in Asia Minor, which is what we call today modern day Turkey. But they were all located in Asia Minor. So when you're looking at the slaters and when you read the book of Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 3, the first thing that you got to remind yourself, or we got to remind ourselves, is that there were actual churches in those times. Number two, they can be applied to the church scene or ecclesiastically. The word ecclesia in Greek means church, very simple. So God, Jesus, wrote the slater and speaking. To the church as a whole so as looking at all those letters as reading as we study them we will look into god looking this as a whole so that's the second way that you can apply those letters the third way those letters can be applied is on a personal level which means that when we read those later we can apply them to our personal life, to our personal way. We can look at those letters and we can see the things that we are doing right and the things that we are doing wrong in that sense. So it's very important that we not only look in the letters from one perspective, but we look in those letters with the four perspectives I mentioned. The fourth one, the fourth application that can be applied and it can be applied prophetically. What I mean by that, I mean that those letters where um, those letters can be applied to seven successive key stages of church history. If you know your church history, you will find out that there were seven key stages of church history and you will understand that Jesus, as he sent those instructions to John, he was also referring to the seven key stages of church history. And then you think about it, he wrote those churches in AD, AD 90, 80. And by the time, seven key stages of history haven't really begin in that sense so obviously we know jesus is the alpha the omega the beginning and the end so he knew exactly what was going to happen so as he wrote those letters and as we read those letters it is very important that we look this in those four different way you can't look if you look at with only one you won't understand the the meaning of what jesus is saying so it's important that you look at it from the four perspective that jesus wrote those letters to those churches in those time in those days but you also wrote to the rhodoslators looking at the church as a whole and also looking at us as individuals as believers and finally prophetically so the lord specifically chose there was many other churches we got you know we got to mention there was other many churches out there but jesus specifically chose those seven churches because they were representing the church through history as well so the message that Jesus was giving us to the churches was relevant not only to the time of those churches existed, not only to the church as a whole, not only to us as individuals, but also to the whole church through history. And that is very, very, very important to understand. So one of the things that we, uh, we spoke about last week is also uh, is a different churches and the way those letters as written the way jesus wrote those letters and as i said jesus did not mean did not miss one thing at all he was very specific how he wrote this, these letters number one the things that we got to understand is when we look at this later they all have a similar outline so when you 
read them as we're going to study them from Ephesus all the way to Laodicea. They all are the same similar outline. At the beginning of every letter, there is a description of Jesus Christ, who he is. Now, how do you find this? In the book of Revelation chapter 1, when John um, get this revelation and see Jesus, he see and he give a description of who Jesus is. So there's many aspects of this description that Jesus, uh, that John give as he see Jesus. You know, some of the things, the one holy, the seven lampstand, and he's talking about in a white dress. He's talking about the double edged sword. So there's so many descriptions as in the finding the book of Revelation chapter one. So as you read Revelation chapter one, which we done last week, it will show Jesus. And I did mention in the introduction in the book of Revelation, that the book of Revelation, the word Revelation means unveiling, uncovering of something which is hidden. And while we referring to the uncovering, it was the uncovering of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, it does mention end times. It does mention the mark of the beast. It does mention the wrath of God. It does mention the great tribulation. And it does mention other aspects of it. But the main purpose of this book of Revelation was written, was to reveal Jesus Christ. And that's something that I really want to mention. And I probably would say in every week. So we understand that Revelation means unveiling and covering of something which is hidden. And it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Revelation chapter 1, the book of Revelation chapter 1, give a personal description of Jesus, which Throughout the seven letters in chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus will use an aspect of this description to apply to the church. But he won't, again, this is not randomly. He will pick specifically an aspect that the church needs to work on and he will bring an aspect of this description to it. So the church could understand the message in that sense. So the first thing, it began with a personal description of Jesus Christ. At the beginning of every letter, there's also what we call a positive affirmation. Jesus telling what is right about the church. He's telling what is right about the church at the exception of the last church, the Laodicea church, when Jesus has nothing good to say about his church. So every church from the Ephesus all the way to Philadelphia, Jesus say he's beginning the letters, which is description of himself, then he end up then he carry on saying everything that the church is doing right. At the exception of Ladiosia. Ladiosia has nothing good about it. And that is quite frightening. When we talk about church history, it's the last church. Mm, and that's what I was saying. I said it's quite frightening because it's in line with us, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> in a way, it is. Yeah. Um mm, as we look at this timing. as we look at this 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 periodic time that that mm. we put here uh, looking at the seven churches in terms of the timing uh we look at the first church with the apostolic church ephesus which we're going to look into this now which is started at 33 all the way to 180 lasted about 67 years then we look at the next church which we're going to look at smyrna again started from 100 to 312 which is the time of persecution as well in that sense and when you look at church history, the church was persecuted for an for a great amount of years, and it ended up when Constantine up Constant, Constantine declared mm. um, uh, Christianity as a religion on the Empire Roman, and that goes to the third church, which is Pergamos. Then we go to Tatia, and so as you see in this map here, the last church, which is from 1925, believe it to be all the way to the Tribulations Church which basically the apostate church is the Laodicea church, mm. which is the church where Jesus has nothing good to say about. So first thing, description of Jesus. Second point, he tell all the churches what is good about them except church of Laodicea. Now, the third thing now is telling them what is wrong about the church at the exception of two churches, the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. The Church of Smyrna and Philadelphia are the only two churches when Jesus has nothing wrong to say about. And the interesting thing, the two aspects of those churches, and we will look into detail while I'm jumping ahead of myself, is this. The Church of Smyrna was a persecuted church. It is known as a persecuted church. And the Church of Philadelphia, it is known as a missionary church. When mission began to take place, when 
the open door was open and, and uh, evangelism was be able to reach out all over mm. the world. And when you think about it, those are the two main aspects of Jesus' characteristic yeah. when it comes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm. Be able to lay be willing to lay mm. down our life for mm. Christ, mm. you know, and to be able to fulfill the great commission, which is go therefore and make mm. disciples of all nations. And when you look at it, those are the only two churches out of the seven when Jesus has nothing wrong to say about. So when we look into this, description of Jesus, affirmation, Jesus tell what is good about the churches, then Jesus tell what is wrong about the church, exception on the church, Smyrna and Philadelphia. And then the last point, the fourth point, God motivates the church to make changes. Well, we can call it an eternal motivation if you want to. He motivates the churches to make changes. And then he then as he done this, there's the promise that if they're making changes, then there's glory coming to those churches. Mm. So when we look at those churches, it's very important to understand how Jesus has written, first of all, is using Apostle Round, which is a Roman Apostle Round, as he described those churches. Is using a way to make sure that everyone understands what Jesus is saying, not only in the times when he wrote those churches, but all the way to today. And then is giving a similar outline so we can actually follow the same pattern in that sense. Which come now to us to look into the first church, first up, the church of Ephesus. Marcia, would you like to read the, the church of Ephesus? which is uh, um, chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, uh, in that sense. The Loveless Church. Ephesus, oh sorry, Revelation 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This is wonderful. Um, I remember beginning to look into those those letters, and the more I was reading, the more I could understand what God was doing, and and really, that's those are his last physical instruction. I would say, in in that sense. And when we look at the church of Ephesus, which is go from chapter 1 to all the way to chapter 7, the, fir- the verse 1, very simple, says this. And I, and I love when he says this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say, He who hold the seven stars in his right hand will walk in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So, Jesus writing, the angel of the church now the greek word for angel is angelos and it means messenger mm. but here it can be either referred to a spiritual messenger or human messenger but here he's speaking to the pastor mm. of the church you know so every letter that is written it is written to the pastor of the church and that is the pastor of the church in Ephesus, and that's the first thing that we got to understand now, looking back in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, what does he say here? Hmm. He says here, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden 
lampstand. What we see, as I mentioned, is beginning with aspect of his personality, aspect mm. of who he is. And he put it back in the letters as he write. So he start with this. This thing says, he who hold the seven stars in his right hand will walk in the midst of the seven golden lampstand. So Jesus hold the seven stars, which are the seven angels explaining the book of Revelation chapter 1. So basically what he's saying, and this is why I say it is so wonderful when you begin to look at it, he's telling the pastor, I'm holding you in your hand. In my hand. In my hand. I'm holding you in my hand. And that's what he said to the pastor. So that reference of description of himself put in that letter in Ephesus, he started with this letter, write it to the pastor of Ephesus, I tell the pastor that I'm holding him in my hand. And it is very interesting when we look at this. It means that Jesus is aware of what's going on in that church. He's in the midst. You know, the Bible speaks in, 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 with, with two or three gathered together, I am in the midst. He's here. So he's telling the pastor of the church, I'm here. I'm holding you. I'm holding you. And when you look at Ephesus, who started the church of Ephesus? Who started the church of Ephesus, do you think? Paul. Oh. Paul started it. We find in the book of Acts 19. And and it's very interesting. Um, he, he went to Ephesus. He met with some believers. And then he realized that something spiritual was missing. That he didn't have the Holy Spirit. So he spent time there. And he, really, he spent time and empowered them with the Holy Spirit. So he teach them about the Holy Spirit. And you find out that a lot of the churches has different doctrines and mm. they, they were operating under the law. But it's quite interesting because today it's similar, isn't it? There are churches. Th- absolutely. Absolutely. They don't believe. And that's that. exactly it. So Paul spent some time teaching them about the power of the Holy mm. Spirit. And that was a very key. And this is how the church was created in, in that sense. It was, was, was birth, you know. Was Paul going there? See those believers, and they're operating without the power of the Holy Spirit, without so the Holy Spirit. operating in their own might or power. In might and power. And but not on the sp- by the Spirit of Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Okay. So Paul has to go there and has mm. to teach them about the power of the Holy Spirit mm. so they could become to be more effective as a church in that sense. Now, the word Ephesus means this. It means darling or loved one. That's what it means. Darling or loved one one and when you look back at the story of the background of this church um he mean darling because in a way it was a beautiful place to live in you know it was called the star of asia or the light of asia you know ephesus and these cities seem to be found about two thousand years before christ and they were look the city was located in Asia Minor, the West Asia Minor, near the sea. You know, they were located near the sea. And one of the things that I ate about Christmas is a Brussels sprout. What's this got to do with anything? Well, the first glimpse of the city of Ephesus where the sprout just cracking open the ground. So there were sprouts everywhere. Okay. Brussels sprouts, not Brussels sprouts. Well, they were sprouts. For me, every time I hear the word sprout, it reminds me so much of the Brussels sprouts. And, and you know, this Thinking is something sprouts like... Sprouts could be just like sprouts, like a sprout from a plant, you know? <laughs> For me, sprout has like always been referring to the Brussels oh, I've got this finger by my, my school, the way they made it. I can't, oh, I can't eat them anymore. Like I can't think. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. what I'm trying to say is this. It was a beautiful city. And also, they have two major sources of income on where they were making the city so beautiful commercially they were one of the top city in the whole world in that sense and also they had an interesting way when it comes to religion which is something that we're going to look into so Ephesus was the largest city of the Roman province of Asia and by the time the gospel was preached there he had a population of more than a quarter of a million. Now, for those who may know the history or the geography in that sense, it was located at the beginning of a river called the Kester River 
on the Gulf of the Asian Sea. And that's the reason it was flourishing so much because it was surrounded mm, by, by water, water in that sense. So commercially, they were such an important part of Asia in terms of import, export. Mm, those people like who do... Port, yeah. yeah those everything came through. Everything came through. So those who do import, export will understand the importance in that sense. Now, also, what we need to understand that Ephesus was also the, the terminus for the great road from the, from the Ephraim's. And there was other road that was linking up through the city as well. So it was a through road. It was a through road. So everything kind of came through that in That's terms right. of, you know, trade. and. That's right. And it was a very brave taking city. Now, there's, um, there's um, um, what you call a, um, a, a street. And every time I hear that this street, it reminds me a lot of the... Uh, some of the top street of Champs-Élysées uh, in France, in Paris. But he says this, that the traveller from Rome landing at Ephesus would proceed up a magnificent avenue 35 feet wide and line up with columns which led from the harbour to the centre of the city. It was very grand. Very, very grand. I mean, when we say it was a breathtaking city, he was a breathtaking city in his time and a wonderful city. And... This city has a major stadium, have a marketplace and a theater. And one of the uh, theater was built on, um, I think I've got this actually, this picture here that I can show to you guys. This one. They were mount on the west slope of Mount Payan, overlooking uh, the arbor seated over 24 um for twenty four thousand person it, it was it was an amazing amazing place i so know it's, it's like almost like an amphitheater yeah isn't it? it's it's in more like in ruins but mm. can you imagine this you see them a lot when yeah. you go to different places now the other thing that we need to understand yeah. as well is that ephesus was also a prominent religious center um some of the things that we're looking to and some of the ruins that left here really speak of the different religious center that was taking place um, in the city. One of them be the called Nike, the goddess um, of victory, both in war, in war and uh, peaceful competition. Now, I've done a bit of digging uh, into this since, and the interesting thing is when we look at this Nike, goddess this is where nikes come from it is absolutely interesting to see that nike in that sense come from the goddess goddess. yeah wings which which symbolize sound of speed movement power and motivation now we said that the goddess was an inspiration to greek warriors and when the warriors won a war they used to say nike to each other now it is um done a bit of a digging as well about this this company nike um which interestingly um it didn't used to call nike it used to be called blue ribbon sports that was the name and they changed the name to the current nike in 1978 wow so when we think about it nike logo that many of people are using of trainers or sweaters or hoodies and you naming mm. it comes from this goddess uh of victory in that sense wow what you say wow like that what's you taking it the thing is it's just like you know sometimes we're wearing all these things these logos and these symbols and you know i always say you know um uh, it's quite interesting i always say to the children you know be careful what you wear you know kind of do you know the history of that or you know people i've always been a bit funny about symbols on mm-hmm. on things um and i will look at a symbol and go what does that mean <laughs> um so it's quite interesting that you found this mm-hmm. um wow yeah and uh <laughs> some someone of a listeners an unbelievably successful company yep. absolutely yep. absolutely and 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 i think that those behind the brain the creative designer mm. but also those who own the companies no. 
have definitely looked into this this goddess of victory and used that clearly uh mm. it's not something that they say oh that looks nice let's do this no they were they really look very badly because yeah, this so. goddess was an inspiration to warriors she was an inspiration to uh competitors even mm. in games and, mm. and you know one of the things that characterize this nike thing this logo not only the logo what is the water they're using all the time let's do it mm. and those nike word really symbolize speed movement power and motivation mm. and that's why they got this word let's do it which when you say let's do it it's a motivation word it's just go for it mm. and this goddess was a goddess of victory so she they will use this goddess they will pray to this goddess for looking for inspiration looking for motivation mm. looking for everything when they were victory. going into a victory, victory yeah. yeah victory when they go into mm. war and so on so Ellie, very interesting to look this into it and understand that our society has been built on so many yeah. aspects from the beginning you know we've mm. done a, a previous study on the tower of babel and how the tower of babel and the religion of baal from the beginning is still active up to today and it's actually used on one of the pillars when it comes to new world order and mm, doctrine and satanism right. and mm. so on so what we need to look into this so some of the things that was as i said it was a very religious city in that sense um but one of the major religious attraction uh was the temple of artemis um which you can see on the right side you know as you can see here is the on the on the left side is the theater which i say was built on a mount pint but the artemis was one of the most one it was basically artemis mean dying and latent it was about four times the size of the Parthenon. it was adorned by the work of many great artists the dimension of the temple was about 425 feet long 220 feet wide and 60 feet high 127 pillars were of Parian marble with 36 of them overlaid with gold and jewels and it was basically described as one of the seven wonders back in those days as well so and in a nutshell ephesus was an amazing city um to reading now if you want to know a little bit of uh story of diana she were diana is a beautiful name and one might suppose that diana would be a beautiful goddess to the contrary they says that diana of the ephesians was a short squat repulsive looking characters covered with many breasts which emphasize fertility it was believed by the superstitious ephesian that diana fell down from heaven the magnificent temple of diana took more than a century to construct and it was built about 400 before Christ and burned the night Alexander the Great was born. Immediately rebuilt, it could accommodate, as we said earlier, on about 24,000, over 24,000 people. And I said also before that is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, the worship in the temple was made of burning incense and playing flute music as a result of which people reach an emotional frenzy in which shameless sexual orgies were engaged. This temple was used for prostitution. Wow. So we've got to understand the uh, dynamic of it. Even though it was a beautiful, brave, taken city, it also was immoral and mm. violent city. And in the midst of this immoral, in the midst of the immoral and beautiful city, God planted his church. And this church became a famous church in the city of Ephesus. So the church of Ephesus became very famous, very powerful, and have a wonderful preacher that would come and preach there all the time. It was a place of great preaching and great impact. 
And yet, the church has a big problem. Its problem, Jesus writing in it. Now, before Jesus turned the church what is wrong, as I mentioned, he always started to tell him what is right. Mm. And there is four areas when Jesus said what is right. If we look into the chapter 2 here. The first thing, they were a serving church. We find it in verse 2. I know you work, your labor, your patience that you cannot bear. So your labor, they were a serving church. That's the things that we, we have to understand. Labor means working to the point of exhaustion. So they were working hard, mm-hmm. you know. And they were not working for the sake of working. They were working to bring people into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So they were extremely a working, serving church in that sense. And we see today there's many serving church, you know. They also, church was busy and extremely active. What it did, they witnessed all the time. They labored all the time. They helped the community all the time. And Jesus was very pleased of that. He was very, very pleased. They were also, what he says, a steadfast church. They were not quitters. This is not the kind of church that would give up when the problems arise. This is not the church that would say, we can't do this anymore. They would just, as he said, they would walk into the point of exhaustion and they were not quitters at all. They were a pure church living in an immoral city. So they were a pure church. So their doctrine was sound. They said Satan had a very strong hold on the city. And the city was deep in occult as we saw with Artemis, as we saw with Diana, as we saw with Nike. All these different goddesses that was operating in the city and this immorality that was operating in the city. Despite that, the city of Ephesus they were pure. They were moral. So they were in an immoral city, but they were living purely in that sense. And it is very interesting. As a matter of fact, there was a story which is found in the book of 19, 18, 20, which said that many people, especially those who were practicing um, occult and heart, they sold, they burned all their books when they received Christ. They burn all the occult books. They put in a burning. And many books were burned to that point. And that reminds us a lot when we become Christians. When, you know, the music that we used to listen, the things that we used to do, we tend to give up all this for Christ. And you find out that because of the impact of those people, of the preachers and the church and impactful in that city, they managed to stop the spread. Even though they were living in that immoral city, they will still be able to reach out even to people that would tap deep into the occult, which is very interesting. They were also a discerning church. They knew and they loved the word of God and they will not put with false doctrine and false teachers like the situation with the Nicolaitan. Now, there's a lot. I didn't want to go too deeply when the Nicolaitan because there's so many doctrine about those guys. But what we understand, we understand an Nicolaitan coming from a sect group that follow a guy called Nicola. Now, his name from a Greek root means conqueror or destroyer. But Nicola seemed to be the same person that seemed to be converting in the book of Acts chapter 6 and 5, but lost his ways. He lost his ways and is beginning to teach heretical doctrine to some members of the church and they begin to follow him. Mm. Now, the things that they were doing, they were promoting fornication and they were having a compromised position of eating food, sacrificed to the idols, idols. Yeah. leading to many into a carnal lifestyle. So, that's what God said. He said they ate the Nicolaitan, which God ate also, mm. in that sense, because of this ungodly way of doing things when it comes to sexual immorality. You got to understand this city was sexually immoral, extremely immoral. You know, the things that we will not see on a daily life, you would see it, people on a daily life, having sex in temples, having sex on the street. 
and 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 you know all kind of nonsense was taking place in nonsense and that church was still operating there and it was still strong but the church unfortunately slipped into a routine and lost their passion they married into the ministry and this is what god says here when you look at it number four nevertheless i have this against you that you have left your first love which is jesus so they no longer have the same passion for christ as when they begin when they first believe they no longer have that passion they work when no longer motivated by love but they were just motivating by the ministry and jesus called the ephesians to repent he said remember the height from which you are fallen repent and do the things you did at first, which is a very important. Mm. What did they do first? Everything that they're doing now, but with love, with mm. Jesus at the forefront, with Jesus at the top of the list, with Jesus as love at the top. And that is something that we know as a church and we know as believers that we can slip into this way of being just religious, beginning to do things beginning to be so focused into the ministry that we forget the first love to forget what we're doing it for mm. and that is very important and jesus was one in the church in ephesus of the judgment and he said if they did not repent it would come and it removed that lampstand from its place it will move his presence from his place and then if he remove his presence then there's no covering and i mean punishment judgment will come upon the church so this is what is very important to understand the first church in essence despite the fact that they were doing the right thing they were doing from the wrong motive mm. and i think for us when we look into the church of ephesus the first church is to understand that when jesus as i said when jesus writing this latest it is not only writing to the church that was taking place in Ephesus, but it's writing to the church as a whole. It's writing to us as well as individual. And obviously, it's writing to the first church, church of Ephesus, which was the apostolic church as well in that sense. There was a church that rise up. There was a church that was extremely successful because of its wonderful impact in the society, especially in Ephesus, which was very immoral. But eventually, keep doing the same thing, they begin to lose they, they begin to get lost in essence. Mm. They begin to do things. It became mechanical. Mm. There was no love behind it. And Jesus won the church and is warning us as well as people of God to remember our first love, to remember where we started, to remember the passion that we had at the beginning when we were doing things and not to do things religiously, not doing things for the sake of doing things. So that is really what was about the first church and what we find out he mentioned that he will take that church out and eventually when you look today in turkey that ephesus church doesn't exist anymore the light the light went out and that is something when we look at the letters we need to really understand all of this so this is what we have to say about the church of ephesus and really to encourage ourselves to continue to remind ourselves what we're doing what we're doing while we sharing what we're sharing while we evangelizing what we evangelizing while we ministering what we're doing ministry who we're doing it who for. we do it for it's very important mm. you know remember jesus you know mm. amen amen why don't we pray thank you Jean-Marc. father we just thank you for for your word <laughs> truly the Entrances of your word brings light and truly is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, we just pray from everything that we've heard this, this morning and things that Sean Mark has been speaking on. We just pray, Father, that we will not be like the Ephesus church. We will not be like the Ephesians, Father, but we, Father, will be like the churches of Smyrna and Philadelphia, Father, Father, our, our light will not go out, Father. That will not be our portion, but we will remember our first love. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We just pray as well that, you know, we will just listen again and study again and just allow Holy Spirit for you to speak to us 
with regards to how this applies to us or our family or our church you'll speak to us give us more and more revelation in terms of your word in terms of this this portion of your word father father we just thank you so much we give you thanks and praise for this time bless everyone who is listening as it says in in the book of revelation everyone who reads this book father will receive a blessing and just we pray this and we give you thanks and we give you praise in jesus name amen 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 thank you miles um again guys you can contact us uh via facebook um page twitter and also we have an email info at revelationhour.co.uk um next up is the church of smyrna next week so guys thank you again for being uh, with us this uh, this morning amen everyone see you next week same place same time ciao guys bye bye